Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 173. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. Ohio gozaimasu, Chris. Howdy, Pete. We are back, of course, once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo. That includes some new game impressions, it includes some news, and it includes this week's big topic, which is what we want to see at this year's E3. And boy, am I excited. Yeah, it's coming up pretty soon, just a couple weeks away. However, before we get to that, let us kick things off with those game impressions, starting with a new title on Nintendo Switch called Crystal Crisis that just came out a couple of days ago. This game is basically the classic versus puzzle game, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, but by way of Nicholas and the Indie Avengers. I like to call it the most ambitious crossover in puzzle game history. (laughs) Basically, it's Puzzle Fighter, you know, a versus puzzle game where you make these clusters of light-colored crystals, then you smash them with a special spark crystal, and that causes all of these countdown crystals to fill your opponent's screen. If you fill up your opponent's screen, you win. If your screen fills up to the top, then you lose. That is the basic gist of it, but of course there's a lot more to it than that. There are chain combos you can pull off, and there are bonuses for smashing larger crystals, And so there's this big sense of risk versus reward as you try to outperform your opponent. Then, on top of that, beyond the basic gameplay, there's a wide variety of characters and modes and other extra features. These features include varied color palettes and being able to use a straightforward 2D play field or a fancier 3D angled play field. Plus, you can do stuff you could never do in the original Puzzle Fighter, like wrap your blocks around the play field and even split them when they drop. Plus, there's a polycrystal that you can use to destroy every on-screen crystal of whatever color it touches. If you don't like these new features, though, you can go ahead and turn them off and just play the game in its pure original form. Mm. Now, a big part of the appeal is this whole crossover thing. So you can pick characters from other Nicholas games like The Binding of Isaac and Code of Princess and Cave Story Mm -hmm. and 1001 Spikes. Also other indie games like Hydra Castle Labyrinth and Tempera of the Dead. And then for some reason, Astro Boy is in here. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and even Johnny Turbo, the old TurboGrafx spokesperson. So... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they're all there, they're duking it out, they're showing off their special moves while you focus on the puzzles, and each character has a unique gauge-based special ability. Actually, they have two gauge-based special abilities, and they can really turn the tide in your favor. You can do stuff like destroy a bunch of your own crystals, change your crystal's color, slow down your opponent, you know, steal a special crystal from your opponent, make your countdown crystals count down faster, maybe rearrange your crystals into clusters. With 20 different characters and two special moves each, there's a whole lot to choose from. It's going to take a lot of experimentation, I think, for people to find maybe which character is perhaps their favorite and has the best moves for them. This game actually looks really good. Oh yeah, the game looks fantastic. It has really amazing production values for a puzzle game. You know, Every character has unique backgrounds, unique music for the most part. It's remixed from the titles from which they originally appeared. They all have voices as well. And speaking of the voices, one of the coolest things I would say about this game is it is narrated by Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime. Wow. So it is pretty fantastic to hear Optimus Prime describing some of the goofy things that happen in this game. (laughs) But, I mean, if you're going to get anybody to do it, you might as well get Peter Cullen. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. The game has plenty of modes as well. There's a story mode, there's an arcade mode, there's a versus mode, there's online modes, which I haven't tried out yet. 
It also has practice and tutorial modes. And then aside from just the standard puzzle battles, there's also a match three mode where it's basically like columns where you don't use the spark crystals. You're just lining up, you know, three same colored crystals. There's a survival mode. There's this insanely tough memory mode where after you drop the crystals, they become monochromatic. And I only recommend this mode for hardcore masochists. <laughs> There's also a really fun tag team mode where you can swap between two characters, and so then you have basically two play fields and four special moves at your disposal. So that can be pretty chaotic, but also really, really fun. Story mode is pretty cool thanks to some branching paths and also to the aforementioned Optimus Prime narration. But on the other hand, it features only the standard match types instead of any of the variations, so I kind of think that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, it sounds like it. Overall, though, I would say the game is very fun. It fills a competitive puzzle niche that Capcom has basically ignored for years with the original Puzzle Fighter. And, you know, personally, I don't find it quite as appealing as something like Tetris, since it does rely on the spark crystals to, you know, complete your combo. And sometimes that kind of feels unfair because you're waiting around and maybe you don't have the right pieces. Whereas in something like Tetris, you always have the pieces you need to destroy a line or continue progressing. Whereas in this game and, you know, some other puzzle games like this, that's not necessarily the case. Also, as a word of warning, I would say the AI is very aggressive. There is no easy mode. The easiest mode in the game is normal mode and it does not hold your hand. Anyway, I would say those are very, very small quibbles. You know, that stuff aside, it is probably the most robust puzzle game I have played at least since Tetris DS. Wow. Maybe the most robust puzzle game I've played ever. And if you're looking to stretch your puzzle game muscles beyond something like Tetris 99, I would say absolutely, unequivocally, go for this game. Yeah, and I think it's uh, priced at $29.99 on the eShop, so uh, seems like a pretty good purchase. Yeah, it is definitely bargain priced. If you want to pick up the physical version, you can grab that for $10 more. Chris, the only thing I keep imagining after you have that review is that you look a lot like Johnny Turbo. How dare you? Have you ever thought about... I will smash you with a polycrystal. <laughs> Cosplaying as Johnny Turbo would probably be the coolest thing I could ever imagine. Well, if I ever come to your place for Halloween, I'll think about it. <laughs> that costume is pretty easy, actually. Now, speaking of Halloween, you've been playing a game that might be appropriate for that time of year. Have you not, Pete? I have indeed, and that is Resident Evil 4. Yes, the Switch version of Resident Evil 4. Arguably the best and most groundbreaking game in the Resident Evil series, originally released in 2005 for the GameCube, and uh, now it is here on Switch. It stars Leon S. Kennedy. He's on a mission to travel to Europe and battle an evil cult. And the Los Plagius Parasite. Thanks for the setup, Chris. Yes, I guess there's two camps. Those who have played Resident Evil 4 and those who have not. Yeah, and for the most part, I kind of fall into that latter camp. I have played it, but I've never played all the way through to completion. Wow. Well, I definitely owned Resident Evil 4 on GameCube, and I definitely played it to completion. But I don't think I've played this game since then. Oh, wow. And so, you know, it was a good opportunity to... Uh, jump back in yeah so for those of us who haven't ever played all the way through why is it so good what makes it such a groundbreaking game would you say well you know i think it's a matter of time right like when the game originally came out it was one of the first games that i can think of that really adopted a third person over the shoulder view it's kind of the almost like a graduation of the fps view that you'd see in so many games 
Well, it was certainly a big shift over the tank-style presentation and controls of previous Resident Evil games. Totally. I mean, it was a complete departure from the Resident Evil formula right. as far as, you know, the tank controls. And also, it sort of bordered on almost like an action-adventure game versus just a strictly survival horror. Right. It struck a pretty good balance from what I recall. Yeah, it does. And there definitely are some true scares in it. But there's also a lot of parts that get a little over the top. And I think, you know, Resident Evil 4 kind of nails those things. But I think future iterations like 5 and 6 kind of go, go a little off the deep end with the amount of craziness, that the action, and less about the survival horror. Yeah, I've never actually played those myself, but that's what I've heard as well. But Resident Evil 4, for its time, it was an amazing entry into the Resident Evil series. I think what makes it so good is that at, the, at its time, there wasn't a lot of games that looked like that and were able to really put you into the action where you're basically following this character around as he approaches a village full of basically undead humans. Yes, the Los Ganados. Yeah, and you're not really sure what's going on. They don't seem like they're quite zombies, but they're also not quite human. Yeah, that's one part I certainly remember. You can't forget that uh, crazy zombie-infested <laughs> village set piece at the beginning of the game, yeah. Yeah, and they all holler Spanish at you, and uh, you're not really sure right. what they're doing. But no, I think as I was playing this again, and, and a lot of memories came back into my head, I will say a couple things stood out was, one is, you definitely have a claustrophobic view. You don't really get to see a whole lot beyond just kind of what's right in front of you, and it's easy for things to kind of sneak up. You're not really sure what's going on. All of a sudden, a guy with a chainsaw is right around the corner. Oh yeah, can't forget chainsaw guy that being said you know the game holds up really well on switch yeah that's what i was wondering where you kept saying it's good for its time it's good for its time but yeah that was kind of my next big question <laughs> is it still good now that's the important thing well it holds up well on switch i will say that it doesn't feel like a true hd remaster huh. which is a little unfortunate but it does just feel like it's you know been sort of like bare minimally ported to the switch which i'm not going to say is a bad thing it just i would expect it to almost be overhauled from the ground up these days and i just didn't mm -hmm. feel that level of polish i see but it still holds up really well especially i was playing a lot in handheld mode and i really just like the idea that you can play resident evil 4 anywhere now <laughs> yeah again that's one of those games where it's like who would have expected when this came out that you'd be able to play that anywhere you want all these years down the road it's pretty nuts yeah. Now, I will say the controls, even though they are much better to me than the original tank controls of the earlier Resident Evil games, they still leave a little to be desired. Huh. There's definitely some moments where you want to be able to kind of move and shoot, and you don't really get that option. You kind of have to release the trigger button and then move and then strafe and then hold the trigger button again to shoot. It just, it doesn't quite have the complex controls of most games that are, you know, coming out that are that style now. So it definitely leads to a couple, you know, frustrating moments where you're in like close quarters and there's like 20 Los Canados in the same room with you and you're like... <laughs> You're like struggling to get out of the way and jump mm. out a window or something. It, it definitely can get a little frustrating. Bail out. Yeah, exactly. But I still find it challenging. And I think, you know, Resident Evil has always kind of used those little tactics where it's like the controls aren't perfect. And you're not really sure how many bullets it's going to take to take down three zombies because one zombie might take like five bullets to hit. But at least now you can target body parts and stuff, right? Well, you definitely can, but the characters like to move out of the way. They like to, like, shimmy at the last second or, like... Yeah, with a bunch of jerks. Yeah, strafe literally, like, as you're pulling the trigger, which I think is a total cheap move, but um, <laughs> that's kind of Resident Evil style. I see, I see. They gotta invoke the fear in you somehow. 
<laughs> I suppose so. Did Chainsaw Guy get you? <laughs> Not yet, but I have a feeling he's going to get me soon. Okay, we got to watch out for him. You never know when he'll come up and cut you apart. <laughs> you really need just like a billion hand grenades to get rid of that guy. <laughs> I will say the thing that kind of was driving me nuts more than anything about this experience was that they do tend to rely on the typewriter save point. And mm-hmm. they use that very sparingly, and it just can be a little tedious, especially on Switch, where you know you might want to be able to save your game so you can do something else, like watch Hulu or <laughs> jump into another game, and you're like, well, I don't want to lose my progress, so I guess I'm just going to leave the game on for now. But it doesn't require ink cartridges, does it? You can save as many times as you want, right? Correct, but you just have to be able to get back to that save point and save it. Right, right. Which, to me, feels a little antiquated now in gaming. All right. So I guess what you're telling me is that there really are not any improvements to the Switch version of the game. (laughs) None that I could reasonably tell. I did try. There was three control schemes total, and they all feel a little wonky. Hmm. Number one to me was the most natural and the most like the original, but the other two just seem like unplayable to me. (laughs) And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's just, you know, my gut reaction, but when I'm tiptoeing around zombies, I need pretty good controls. I take it that none of these control options include Wii-style pointer controls. Not that I could tell. I did look, and I didn't see anything of that variety. I never actually tried pulling the Joy-Cons out, but nothing in the control menu led me to believe that was a possibility. Okay, okay. Well, I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed to hear some of what you're saying here. I was expecting you to come in with a rave review, but it sounds kind of like a mixed bag to me. Well, if I had to compare it to anything, I'd probably say it's similar to some of these Final Fantasy ports that just, you know, just kind of scratch the surface. It's like it's doing the job of being on the console, but I wouldn't say it's like far and away any better improvement to the game than you remember, Hmm. which can be good and bad depending on how you see that. Okay, because, you know, I was thinking I would kind of like to get this and finally play more than the first couple hours of the game, but after hearing what you're saying, it's like, I don't know, maybe I can hold off a bit, at least until a sale or something like that. Yeah, for me, the $29.99 asking price seemed about right. I'm definitely enjoying it, and I plan to, you know, pick it up and play it time to time and be able to kill zombies on the airplane. All right, I appreciate you. Let me know how it is. I still do recommend you pick it up, though, Chris, especially if you haven't ever finished it. Hopefully I'll get around to it eventually. I don't imagine we'll ever get a better version on the Switch, so... No, you're probably right about that. Okay, let us move along from our game impressions to a little bit of news. First up in the news this week, the folks at the Pokemon Company had a bunch of information to share about their upcoming projects. And perhaps the most exciting news out of this batch of info is that there is a Detective Pikachu sequel on the way to Switch. Wow, that's crazy. Didn't we just call this out like a week ago? Well, I was saying there's definitely room for a sequel, considering that the 3DS game ends without any proper resolution. And yeah, it seems like, you know, with the movie coming out, it would have been prime time to either re-release that original on Switch or maybe have a sequel come out on Switch. And, you know, we're not getting that, but we are indeed getting a follow-up to the story. And they say it will conclude this story arc. The movie ended very satisfactorily, and now we'll get a whole other game to end the story in its own different but hopefully very satisfying way yeah and this makes a lot of sense i mean i think that having the movie come out so much later than the original game i think it makes a lot of sense that they're going to try and capitalize on the success of the movie well i suppose so but it seems to lose some of that synergy by not releasing alongside the film either way i'm glad to see it happening yeah absolutely 
And that was really the big news as far as Nintendo Switch goes, but then there was also a bunch of other announcements, such as Pokemon Home, which is a cloud service for Switch and mobile devices, and they call it a place where all Pokemon can gather. Basically, it's like an updated version of Pokemon Bank, but across multiple devices and games, so it'll let you combine all your Pokemon from Pokemon Go, Pokemon Let's Go, Pokemon Sword and Shield, and Pokemon Bank. And it will let you store and trade your Pokemon either locally or online, basically anytime you want. And that's coming early in 2020. On top of that, they announced Pokemon Sleep. And you might be thinking, is this some sort of joke? Because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, they haven't really said what this is all about. They're saying it turns sleep into entertainment. But they haven't really said beyond that. What does that mean? I don't get it. It's supposed to be coming next year. It's been like a third of the presentation talking about sleep. It sounds very, very strange with me. In fact, they're even teaming up with Nintendo again to release an accessory, which also sounds like a joke, called the Pokemon Go Plus Plus. <laughs> which, Things have just gotten out of hand now. Yeah, for my money, it's like one of the worst names ever. I mean, you think that uh, Wii U and new 3DS... XL are bad names. Pokemon Go Plus Plus? Is the next one going to be Pokemon Go Plus Plus Plus? I don't know. But yeah, it's going to track how long you sleep and send information to your smartphone. And you know, it'll also have the regular Pokemon Go Plus functions. But is it really going to be something that's fun and make you want to sleep? I don't know. It sounds weird. Well, you can't play Pokemon Go at night in your bed, Chris. Come on. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. It does fill that uh, niche. But yeah... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Finally, they talked about Pokemon Masters, which is a smartphone game from DNA. It's going to have three versus three battling with all the trainers from past and present Pokemon games. It's supposed to be out sometime this year, and we'll find out more information about it next month. Also, we're going to find out more information on Pokemon Sword and Shield specifically next month. In the very near future, there's going to be a presentation on June 5th. I think that's where you know most of the excitement is awaiting us. Can't wait to hear more about that. Yeah, and you got to think that if they're doing this Nintendo Direct on June 5th, just related to Sword and Shield, we're probably not going to hear anything else out of E3 about this game. Probably not out of Nintendo's E3 presentation. I think you're right. I think they are just going to put it out there in advance and let us take it all in before they show off all their other titles. But uh, either way, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's fine by me. Now, there's a lot of news there involving mobile titles, but there's another mobile title that is on the way that I am interested in, and that is Mario Kart Tour. That recently entered a closed beta, and a lot of information has been leaking out due to that. Yeah, this actually looks pretty interesting to me, Chris. What do you think? Well, I would say it looks very good. The graphics look fantastic. It's only playable in portrait mode, it appears. Nintendo seems to be emphasizing one-handed play, which... You know, that might be a little bit awkward for me. Also, it seems like it has an auto mode for turning corners. Like, it'll just automatically race around the track, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you can play manually as well, but it really seems to be focusing on, like, item use. And some characters are going to be able to hold more items than others, and that will sort of let you uh, battle your way to victory. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the portrait mode is definitely a interesting inclusion, but I do think... The main reason or main cause for that is, you know, Nintendo seems to make a lot of games for people that are maybe traveling on trains. You know, in Japan, there's a lot of mobility, people commuting, and I feel like a lot of people are expected to play games with just one hand. I know me using the subway every day, I do actually play a lot of games with one hand. 
Well, that certainly seems to be their focus so far. I mean, it seems like it would make more sense to be able to also play in <laughs> landscape mode since you want to be able to see what's coming around the corners and things like that. But uh, yeah, from what we've seen so far, it looks like it is just portrait to accommodate one-handed play. There are at least going to be lots of characters in the game. Of course, Mario and Luigi are in there. Peach, Toad, Toadette, Rosalina, Shy Guy, Waluigi, Dry Bones, Bowser, the Koopalings, you know, Baby Peach and Daisy and Rosalina, even Metal Mario. So pretty much everybody you'd expect. And then there are going to be tracks apparently taken from a lot of past Mario Kart games, including Mario Kart 7, Mario Kart Double Dash, Mario Kart 64, and the original Super Mario Kart. However, from the sound of things so far, it seems like, you know, getting these new characters and perhaps some other aspects of the game are going to be in-app purchases and it's going to be very heavily gotcha based. So, you know, getting certain rare characters might be really, really hard. And apparently they'll even sort of provide advantages in the races. Like I was saying, you know, being able to hold more items and things like that. So in a way, it seems like gotcha based pay to win. And I don't really know how that's going to shape up in the final product. Yeah. But hearing about it right now, it sounds very, very questionable to me. Yeah, definitely don't like that approach too much. I know Nintendo has had a couple issues in some countries that are sort of banning this kind of model because it promotes gambling. Right, right. People are starting to discover that gotcha-based game mechanics and, you know, these blind loot boxes can be very problematic and a lot of people are cracking down on them. Yeah, and it's unfortunate to think there's probably some gamers out there that probably want to play this and aren't going to be able to. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather just, you know, pay up front and get the entire experience, but, you know, I'll try this out, I'll see what it's like as a free-to-play game, and if I don't like it, hey, I'll just go back to Mario Kart 8 on my Switch if I want to play a great Mario Kart game on the go, you know? Yeah, and you always got Animal Crossing. Which has its own terrible gotcha mechanics, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> I guess that's why they call it that. <laughs> Moving along to another upcoming game that I am very excited about. Konami has finally revealed the lineup for the Contra Anniversary Collection coming out on Switch this summer. Oh boy. Right when I read this, I was like, oh man, I wonder what Hoffman thinks. Well, I am super excited because at long last we are finally getting a new home version of the original NES Contra. Hot diggity dog. Yes, the long-awaited, much-beloved original is going to be there, along with Operation C and Contra Hardcore, which, given the games that were in the Castlevania collection, considering that that included Game Boy games and a Genesis game, I figured it was kind of a no-brainer that Operation C and Contra Hardcore be in there as well, but it's great to see that confirmed. But yeah, NES Contra is you know one of my all-time favorite games. That's really where it's at, and so I am very excited to see that is finally going to be happening. And then, on top of the NES version, there's also the Famicom version of the game, which actually has a few enhancements over the NES version, and then they're even going to be some of the European versions as well. It's called Probotector over there, and you play as like a robot instead of the regular Contra guy, so it has <laughs> a very different graphical appearance. And so those versions of Contra 3, The Alien Wars, and Contra Hardcore are going to be included in the collection. Yeah, I'd never even heard the term Probotector before this release. Uh-huh. Well, now, not only will we get to hear about it, but you actually get to play it yourself if you pick up this collection, which also includes Arcade Contra, Arcade Super Contra, NES Super C, and Super NES Contra 3. Unfortunately, there's no date yet. They're still only saying early summer, but I am absolutely going to be there on day one to play this as soon as it comes out. Yeah, I've been playing the uh, Castlevania collection and enjoying it immensely. Right on. And I'm looking forward to this one, too. Very cool. Speaking of games coming out this summer, Nintendo has given some release date 
updates on a couple of its summer titles. We now know that Dragon Quest Builders 2 is coming out on July 12th, and we know that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order is coming out just a week later on July 19th. Nintendo recently dropped a new trailer for that title emphasizing the X-Men, so we know that in addition to Wolverine, the game will also feature a cast that includes Nightcrawler, Storm, Beast, Psylocke, Magneto, Mystique, Juggernaut, and Deadpool. Of course, that's on top of the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, and everyone else. Pretty cool. Are you going to pick this one up? You know, I'm on the fence about both of these games. I never really played Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 or 2, but this seems like it could be a really, really cool game in co-op mode with the right people, so I would love to give it a try and to see if I like it. And if it's my kind of thing, then I will definitely add to my collection. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I think the same. It definitely is hitting at maybe the height of Marvel madness, so uh, it's a good time for gaming. But yeah, I'm curious to see how this one looks. And what about Dragon Quest Builders 2? Definitely thinking about it. The first Dragon Quest Builders I really enjoyed, but the problem was... Yeah, I remember. The problem was the first boss I encountered was impossibly hard. (laughs) And so now I'm like, uh, do I do this? Do I put myself through this misery again? So I might need to read a couple reviews before I commit. Okay. Well, we got less than two months until they come out, so you can make your decision then. (laughs) Thanks. Now, moving along to another game that was actually announced quite a while ago, but I had never heard of at all until a new trailer dropped last week. This game is called Baldo. And yes, the name is horrible. Like, you know, what do you think when you hear something called Baldo? It doesn't sound good, does it? (laughs) I thought it was named after you. (laughs) That would not make sense at all. Why would you even say that? It just sounds like it's about, you know, some insult you'd make to a bald guy. Hey, Baldo, what's going on? (laughs) But anyway, yeah, awful name for a game. Apparently it is the main character's name. However, that aside, it looks completely amazing. It looks like a Legend of Zelda game mixed with a Miyazaki movie. Just gorgeous, expressive, cel-shaded characters. It's got real-time action and combat. It's got some big, really fierce-looking enemies. It has lively villages full of people and animals. It has traditional Zelda-style puzzles where you're, say, turning cranks to lower water levels or flipping switches to activate moving platforms, as well as moving block puzzles. It seems to have a variety of weapons and abilities, such as being able to turn invisible to bypass enemies. It also seems to have a lot of cats and a frog wearing a top hat playing a ukulele. So really, what more do you need? (laughs) Uh, Maybe a capybara or something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I suppose that would be pretty much everything. But even without a capybara, this game just looks phenomenal. Yeah, it really does. I mean, this game just kind of came out of nowhere to me. Same with you. And just kind of rose to the top of my radar. It's like, if this game delivers even like half of what it looks like it might, this is definitely a game I'm watching. Yeah, absolutely. The developer is Naps Team. They are an independent Italian studio. They've never really made a whole lot of note. The most recent game they've released is called Maria the Witch, which, no pun intended, looks a lot like Kiki's Delivery Service. So you can tell these guys are really big fans of the Miyazaki films. You can see where this influence is coming from. But, you know, without any big-name games with big pedigrees behind it, it's like, is there any way this game is going to end up playing as cool as it looks? I don't know, but like you said, Pete, it definitely has my attention. I am certainly watching. We don't know what the release date is yet, but you know, I cannot wait to see if this game actually turns out as good as I'm anticipating. Yeah, I can't wait to read some hands-on impressions. Yes, for sure. Finally, one last little bit of news. 
it wasn't that long ago that we were bashing the Sonic the Hedgehog movie <laughs> and saying how awful it looks and talking about how they were going back to the drawing board and maybe trying to enhance Sonic a little bit. And we were thinking, well, how is that possible? The movie's coming out in November. Well, they've decided it is not coming out in November. <laughs> That's right. They moved it back. Yeah, it is now coming out on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Yeah, just in time for Valentine's Day, Chris. Who's the lucky lady you're going to bring to Sonic? Oh, Amy Rose, of course. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Who knows? It might still be terrible, but uh, at least they are going to give the CG team behind the movie enough time to actually go through and make those changes without you know trying to kill themselves for a November release. We'll see how it goes. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be worse. <laughs> but you know, we will find out when we take our loved ones there in February. Yeah, i got to be honest. This is a surprising move because uh, anytime you move stuff like this, it costs a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, there are already signs and posters and ads. I went to the theater to see Pokemon. There were big signs saying it was coming out in November. So, yeah, it is kind of a major move for them. So I guess they're really serious about fixing it. Yeah. Not only that, then you actually have to do the fixing <laughs> in the video itself. So Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully it pays off. I'd rather have a good Sonic movie than a crappy Sonic movie. But, again, it remains to be seen. You're too slow. Uh, thanks for that, Pete. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, let us move along from news and answer some listener mail. We got a lot of feedback based on our top 30 3DS games list from last episode. So let us start off with some of those comments. The first one comes from listener Brian Booth, and he writes, Hi guys, I really enjoyed the list and the discussion. Any such list is always going to be subjective, yet it's hard to find much fault with yours. Although I do contend that Fire Emblem Fates should be higher up. I do have a few honorable mentions. My top five honorable mentions are Fantasy Life, SteamWorld Dig 2, Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition, Sushi Striker The Way of Sushido, and Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward. I would highly recommend these games to anyone. I'd also like to submit for your consideration the five biggest disappointments on the 3DS. These aren't just crappy games, they're games of high pedigree that could have been expected to be much better than they were, but just didn't deliver. They are Yoshi's New Island, Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer, Mario Party Sticker Star, Metroid Prime Federation Force, and Mario Party Island Tour. I don't know what to say about all this, Chris. Well, I mean, he certainly picked some good games there, and there are some games that we certainly considered putting on the list. Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition very narrowly almost made the cut. Yep. Zero Escape Virtue's Last Reward was a game that was on the list the last time I think I put together yep. a similar list, you know, many episodes ago. But like he says, it is subjective, so uh, you know it's hard to fit everything in. Yeah, and I got to be honest, we don't play every single game as much as I want to, so I, it's <laughs> hard to uh, give a review to some game you've never played. That's a good point as well. Moving on to some other comments that came through via Twitter. This one comes from at strawbecky underscore 81. She said, I would have added Virtue's Last Reward and Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Hmm. Now, Chris, I'm shocked that you didn't add Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. <laughs> well, that's another one that very narrowly didn't make the cut and was also on my previous lists. I mean, basically, I thought that this was a case where, you know, having two great things didn't actually make them better combining them into one so we do have the individual professor layton and phoenix wright games on there but uh, yeah their combined adventure as much as i like it just didn't quite make it into the top 30 and again virtuous last reward that is another great game and i'm glad to see a couple people giving it a much needed shout out now are you talking like oreos and pumpkin spice or something like that 
I have no idea what you're even talking well, about now. You said now. two things that should be better. That's definitely not one of them. All right. Moving along, this next comment comes from at 238B underscore Q. I was happy to see Pocket Card Jockey made it. Such a random game that is a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, I really, for me, wanted to put this on the list because I think if you didn't own it and you had maybe heard of it once or twice and it's on this list, I, I could actually see a case where you go pick it up and it's an absolutely ton of fun and it's probably the best money I ever spent on the eShop, at least for the 3DS. Well, high praise. Yeah. From at Shaken Bakey, we got the comment, I think a few that would have been in my top 30 would be WarioWare Gold, Yoshi's New Island, and Harvest Moon, A New Beginning. Yeah, we've got a counterpoint to uh, the uh, Yoshi's New Island being one of the worst games on the system, <laughs> huh? Don't we? Yeah, yeah, but that's how it goes, you know? This is all subjective, and uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Indeed it is. At SPhil64 writes, Not 100% sure what I would remove, but I would definitely have added Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadow of Valencia, Monster Hunter Stories, and Monster Hunter Generations on there. Possibly even Fantasy Life. That one was definitely fun in co-op. Yeah, it's kind of funny when it comes to Monster Hunter. You know, we talked about that. We considered, should we put it on there? You know, the fact of the matter is that for us on the 3DS, as much as we appreciate that series, none of them have ever really grabbed us that much. Yeah. I mean, Monster Hunter Stories is probably my favorite of the group. Right. And while, you know, if I were making a you know all-inclusive list that wasn't just our particular opinions, we probably would have included Monster Hunter Generations or Monster Hunter 4 or something like that. But uh, yeah, the regular action-oriented Monster Hunter games just have never grabbed me that much. And I think it's the same for you, huh, Pete? Yeah, I think it's just the lack of a real story experience, and that's kind of how I like my games. And yeah, I hadn't really played it online much, so can't give it the full honors, but I know it is a good game. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to like. For me, it's the controls that have always kind of kept me from making it be one of my favorites that I really sink my teeth into. But there's obviously a lot of great stuff about the game, nonetheless. Yep. At 182 Carter writes, I'm super happy A Link Between Worlds was number one. Was Story of Seasons on the list? I can't remember. If not, I definitely add Story of Seasons. Then we have at Silent underscore K who writes, I was surprised to hear no Mighty Switch Force or Pushmo Crashmo. For a while, they were super 3DS poster kids. <laughs> what say you? Also, sup. <laughs> sup, Silent K. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I do kind of wish I could have put Pushmo on. It does have a special place in my heart just because I think, you know, anytime Nintendo kind of creates this new IP that kind of goes over a few series like Box Boy, mm-hmm. I feel like it does kind of tug at the heartstrings a little bit. There's like, you know, Nintendo just makes these really cute, adorable characters that you kind of, you know, fall in love with over the course of a couple games. Mighty Switch Force, of course, is a great game, although, you know, just didn't stand out to me as one of the best. Yeah, for me, it's the opposite way. I wasn't ever really in love with Pushmo and Crashmo, but Mighty Switch Force is one I would say is another one that, you know, just narrowly didn't quite make the list. It has some of the greatest use of 3D on the system, for one thing, but uh, yeah, didn't quite make it. Oh yeah, I think you're right on that. Next comment comes from at Nama the Nerd, who writes, I was surprised you didn't include Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. Other than that, a very fine list. <laughs> and then we have at Mike Opferman, who writes, My children and I discussed your list with you, and I don't know if you could hear us. One game they all said should have been included was Fantasy Life, though the middle child said it was probably too niche for the list. By discussed, I mean we spoke about it as we listened. Pausing, of course, at points so I could actually listen to them. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's like kind of warm and fuzzy. I like thinking about people <laughs> listening to this. Indeed, indeed. I will say, though, nothing is too niche for us. <laughs> You're not about that Fantasy Life, Chris? 
Well, I guess that's one that I really should go back and play more. It's been mentioned a couple of times on here. You know, it didn't really stick with me from the little bit I played, but you know, after hearing this, I'm kind of thinking I should go back and uh, maybe give it another shot. Yeah, I think that one escaped my grasp. We have another comment here from at PK Blues. He writes, Kid Icarus could have been placed higher on the list, and I'm surprised at the lack of Monster Hunter. It was great to see you guys enjoyed Rhythm Thief, though. That game needs all the love it can get. Definitely agree with that. Then we have at JoeyT23, who writes, I would like to throw in the hat of Bravely Second End Layer. I really enjoy the characters and world, but honestly, the best part is the combat. The customization via multiple jobs makes you feel so creative. It might be my favorite 3DS game and turn-based game. Also, Me Plaza. Yeah, I really want to dive into uh, Bravely Second. Never got around to playing the sequel, but uh, I've heard really good things. Yeah, it's a really great game. You know, we decided to only put one of those two games on there, and we went with the original one instead of the sequel, but really, both of them are very deserving and would be excellent additions. You know, I think we didn't really consider Me Plaza since it's sort of a baked-in thing and not really a separate game, but I could certainly see an argument for that being on the list as well. Thank you for all the suggestions and feedback, everybody. Yes, thank you. We did get a few other letters as well. This one comes from listener Alexander Fisher, who writes, Dear Power Pros, just recently we passed the 17th anniversary of Final Fantasy XI, Square's original flagship MMORPG from 2002. This and your impressions of Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age reminded me that Nexon and Square Enix are developing Final Fantasy XI-R, a remake of the game for Android and iOS devices. We just got an update in March that the remake is still in development, and considering how many mobile ports the console gets, a Switch version seems like a no-brainer. Are there any MMORPGs that you think would be a particularly good fit for the Switch? So we have a pretty terrible port of Onigiri, and a cloud version of Fantasy Star Online 2 that doesn't really even work, even if you're sitting right outside Sega's Japanese HQ, while Japan has Dragon Quest X. (laughs) It's just not fair. No, so, you know, I've dabbled in some MMORPGs, and I gotta say... I haven't really played them that much myself. Yeah, and I gotta say, for this one, I think that I would personally like to see a World of Warcraft on Switch. I know it's very late in the game, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who've played, like, millions and billions of hours of World of Warcraft. That being said, I still just think that it kind of stands the test of time, and being able to play it on a couch with two or three other people at the same time would be... uh, Something pretty special. Maybe with the Blizzard love that uh, the Switch has been getting, maybe there's something in the cards. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that would be great. I've never played that game, but obviously they've been continuously updating it over the years, and it has continued to evolve and grow and withstood the test of time. Yeah, I think that would be a great addition, and that's why I've never played, so I'd finally get the chance if it was on Switch. You know, I haven't played too many MMOs myself, I did dabble a little bit in Final Fantasy XIV, but just couldn't get into it. You know, I'm more of the uh, regular online RPG variety. You know, I'd love to see something like Monster Hunter World or maybe a new Fantasy Star Online game that only had, you know, four or eight or some limited number of players on like that that aren't really massively multiplayer. But uh, yeah, I think there's definitely room for more of that stuff on Switch. Absolutely. Yeah, I would love some Fantasy Star Online. The next letter comes from listener Holly F., who writes, Hello, the Hoff and Pete. This is coming late, but I want to thank you for recommending the 3DS version of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy a few episodes back. I played the original Ace Attorney some years ago, and it really did feel like it belonged on a dual-screen device. So I couldn't say no to the trilogy on the 3DS while it was on sale, which happens a lot, so that's cool. Thanks again. Sweet. I always like to see good people getting good games. Yeah, that is great to hear. Our pleasure, Holly. 
And then we have a letter here from at Blastoys999 who writes, Do you endorse buying reproduction Nintendo games on eBay? Why or why not? Regarding Pokemon, it appears the prices have ballooned and the GBA carts never work when I buy the originals. GameStop also now sells the games for far more than their original value, which is unfair. Well, Chris, I would never endorse buying reproduction games. To me, I just think that that's a little bit too far. Plus, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why, you know, you're paying for uh, the original version. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, Pete. I do not endorse it whatsoever. I mean, basically, it is piracy. And, you know, no one enjoys having their hard work pirated. I know no one at Nintendo likes having their work pirated. I feel like it's sort of an insult to the people who made the game. And to basically, you know, you're paying a pirate for the original creator's work. So I would say, you know, especially in this day and age where there's so many options out there, you know, there is Virtual Console, there's Nintendo Switch Online, there's the NES Classic, there's all these collections coming to Switch. You know, you can play games that way. And if you're looking for a game that you can't get that way, you know, probably try to go with the original. And again, if you're trying to collect, you know, I think only the original will do. I don't really see the point in getting a reproduction version. And also, you know, remember, even some of these official reproductions, like remember the Capcom stuff? They're like, hey, if you put this in your Super Nintendo, it might burst into flame. So, <laughs> yeah, like you were saying, Pete, you don't really know what you were going to get. So, yeah, like you, I would not endorse it all. I would say try to stick with those originals or, you know, get some other digital update that actually puts the money in the hands of the creators rather than in the hands of pirates who make a knockoff that, you know, might not really be what you want to put in your game system. And when he says pirates, he's not talking about me risky boots. <laughs> no, no, indeed not. Anyway, that takes care of our letters for this week. So I think it's time for us to close up the mailbag. We will take an intermission and then we come back. Hold it we right there, just... Huff. Yes, is there a problem, yes, Pete? hold it right there. You know that it's time to hassle the Huff. Oh, yes. I kind of expected that. <laughs> okay, what do you have for me this week? All right, video game professor Hoffman. Oh, yes? What is your favorite E3 moment? Ooh, my favorite E3 moment? Well, that's one I would say that I can answer pretty darn easily. I can't remember exactly what year it was. Was it 2004 maybe? But it would absolutely be the unveiling of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Oh. Yeah, when they showed this game... I mean, people's jaws just dropped. Everybody was so amazed and so blown away. And, you know, in this day and age, you can go online and see people doing reaction videos and stuff, and a lot of times it feels really, really fake. But this, there was none of that. Everybody was really, truly, absolutely just floored by what they were seeing with this new, more mature take on The Legend of Zelda, and it really could not have gone over any better. Yeah, and I remember the uh, trailer for that being really good. Yeah, the trailer was great, the reaction was great, and it was just very, very exciting. I mean, there was like a palpable excitement in the air. I mean, second to that, you know, I would talk about 3DS stuff, because that was a really exciting year as well, but there wasn't like any one particular jaw-dropping moment like there was with the Legend of Zelda trailer for Twilight Princess, so that is what I'm going to go with. Well, I mean, either that, or that picture I posted to Twitter a couple weeks ago of Reggie eating the frozen yolk. One of those two, it would have to be that. If I was going to talk about my favorite E3 moment... What is this? This is Hassle the Hop, not Hassle the Pete. <laughs> fine, fine, go ahead. And if I was going to say something, I would actually say that my favorite E3 moment would be I was on a roof deck doing shots with Hideo Kojima. 
<laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing that happened. How did that come about? Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of followed some friends, and then we were on a roof deck, and then all of a sudden I saw a group of people doing shots, and one of them was Hideo Kojima. Now, I never did shots with Hideo Kojima, but I did eat cheese with Miyamoto, so that was a thing, too. <laughs> Uh, well, I did use the toilet next to Warren Spector once. Oh, well, I ran to Hulk Hogan in the bathroom. <laughs> he did not show me just 24-inch pythons, however. Um, uh, I think we <laughs> need to go to commercial. Yes, this has gotten out of control. Are you happy with my answer? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, all right. In that case, we will definitely go to intermission before this gets any crazier. And then we come back, we will discuss our once for E3 2019. Alright, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is what we hope to see at E3 2019. As we record this, E3 is only about two weeks away, so we don't have too long to wait to see what Nintendo and third parties have on display at the biggest video game show of the year. Now, this year, it's kind of different, kind of wonky, kind of crazy, because there are so many games we already know about. <laughs> it is a little weird when we were putting this list together. Yeah. I'm like, what? And there's so many of them that are coming out soon. Like Super Mario Maker 2 comes out only a couple weeks after E3. And you know, as we talked about earlier on the show, Dragon Quest Builders 2 and Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 and Fire Emblem Three Houses are all like just around the corner in July. So, you know, really, if we want to be honest, there might not be too many surprises at this year's show. But, you know, nonetheless, we put our list together, we thought about what we want to see, things we're hoping to see, things we might be predicting to see, and that is where we are kicking off this week's big topic. Yeah, I mean, and then on top of that, we already know there's going to be a Luigi's Mansion some point in 2019. <laughs> yep, that's right. As well as uh, an Animal Crossing. Yes, and, you know, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we will finally get a look at this new Animal Crossing. They've been talking about this Animal Crossing game for quite some time, but we don't know, like, a single detail about it. So that's one I'm really hoping that we finally get to see. Yeah. Do you have any predictions about this Animal Crossing, Chris? Uh, no predictions. I mean, I would like to see something new. I'd like to see something that involves new activities, not just the same ones that we're familiar with from the past games. I am kind of expecting more enhanced online functionality, but... Beyond that, you know, I don't really have anything specific in mind. What about you? Well, I was thinking about just the difference of it being on Switch, and I was thinking, how cool would, like, an Animal Crossing with local multiplayer be? Yeah, I think that would be a very, very good idea. And it just seems like it'd be right for this series at this point where, you know, a lot of things you can do together, and 
You know, I feel like there's a lot of people that play Animal Crossing with a friend. You know, maybe you can still have your own town or whatever, but if you want to play at the same time, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be great to be able to have multiple players living in the same village. I think that is kind of a no-brainer, really. Uh, Will it happen? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it just seems like a good evolution of the series. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And then, like you were saying with Luigi's Mansion 3, yes, it would be great for them to show more of that as well. I mean, we actually have seen a little bit of that game. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping that we will see it, maybe get a release date, uh, maybe get to go hands-on. Yeah, I'm always down with more Luigi's Mansion, that's for sure. All right, and then from there, we kind of get into uncharted territory, I think. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's still a bunch of known (laughs) quantities I'm really hoping to see at this year's show. Not the least of which, of course, is The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Uh, Of course. Yeah, I mean, that game has always been a favorite of mine, and having it enhanced and updated with modern graphics on Switch is something that's very exciting to me. And, I mean, we know what we're getting. We know it's a remake of a game that came out more than 20 years ago, so it's not going to be terribly surprising. But still, it's The Legend of Zelda. It's a fan favorite. It's a personal favorite. And just being able to see more of that and maybe let players go hands-on with it would be very appealing to me. Yeah, I just want to see more about this game. You know, I'm very interested when they showed it originally. It looks amazing. I just personally just want to know what does everything look like now that it's translated into this new uh, dimension, if you will. Yeah, with this new sort of claymation graphical style. It would be wonderful to see more of that game world. And I want to know how it controls, too. Also hoping to see more of Dragon Quest XI on Switch, as well as Pokemon Sword and Shield. You know, a lot of times Pokemon kind of gets left out at E3. For some reason, they like, no, we don't want to share any more of this. But we know we have that Direct coming up, and last year they certainly had a big emphasis on the Let's Go games. So I'm kind of hoping maybe Sword and Shield will be there in playable form too. So yeah, lots of stuff on the agenda for, uh, you know, fantasy adventure RPG fans, and I think a lot of that stuff could potentially be at E3, and I'm really hoping to see it there. Yeah, and I think Sword and Shield, coming off of Sun and Moon, I feel like, you know, this just has really big expectations, especially being the first mainline Pokemon game on a console. Yeah, totally. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, it just seems like, uh, you know, they're ripe to just make a game that's just going to be memorable and, you know, really, you know, make a place for its own on the Switch. Right. And, you know, because of that, it may very well not be at E3. It might not be on the show floor where people can see it. But, you know, one way or another, we know we are going to get a lot more information about that game soon. I'd love it if it's there in playable form, but even if it's not, it should be something very, very exciting for Pokemon fans and even non-Pokemon fans, really. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Well, one thing I am certainly expecting is some more Smash character reveals. (laughs) I think we'll get at least one, possibly even more, and I think it's very likely to happen at that Smash tournament that's being held on June 8th, just a little bit before E3 proper. Oh yeah, that would make sense. You know, I almost think I could see it going a step further and seeing, you know, some game announcements paired up with some character announcements, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Yeah, that could happen, I suppose. You know, that hasn't really happened in the past, but uh, it could be a thing. Was there something specific you were thinking of? Yeah, recently there's been some reports of The Witcher 3 coming to Switch uh, via Panic Button. Ah, yes, that's true. And that certainly seems like it could be a good fit for the system. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking, I'm really bummed I didn't say in the Smash Brothers episode we talked about new characters, I'm really bummed I didn't mention Geralt of Rivia. Huh, interesting choice. And uh, what a cooler way than to sort of announce the game for Switch and then also announce him as a Smash Brothers character coming soon. 
Well, that would certainly fit the bill for unexpected and surprising characters. Guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, he's got a sword. He's got some magic potential. He just seems like he'd be a sweet fit for the uh, Smash Brothers roster. It seems like a long shot to me, since I'm not sure Witcher has a big enough presence in Japan. But hey, if the series came to Switch, I would love to try it out. Yeah, for me, if it's anything like the other versions, it would be a day one purchase for me. And I've already beaten it. (laughs) That is some high praise. I guess going back to games that we already do know about, there was one more I forgot to mention, and that is Astral Chain. Ah, yes. The uh, Platinum Games title, right? Yes, that's right. And even though they have shown some footage of the game, I still really don't understand it. I mean, it looks (laughs) insane, but what's the gameplay like? I don't really know. So... It's only a couple months away. It's late August, and I would love to see that featured much more heavily at E3. And again, playable on the show floor to figure out you know what the gameplay is actually all about. So yeah, that's another one I am looking forward to seeing more of. Yeah, it's one I don't want to see get lost in the shuffle if it's actually a really good game. I mean, it's a platinum game, so chances are it will be good. But uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, you know go hands-on and find out for sure. But yeah, moving along from those known quantities... I guess I would really like to see those rumors shape up. You know, we were talking about Witcher rumors just a little bit ago, but we also, a few months back, had rumors about Metroid Prime Trilogy and Persona 5, and I would love to see those rumors pan out. Yeah, same. Metroid Prime Trilogy, for me, would be a great addition to the Switch lineup, especially waiting for Prime 4 to come out. Yeah, for sure. And you're a big Persona fan, right? I'm not a big Persona fan at all, (laughs) but I would love to give it the opportunity. You know, we know that the Persona 5 Melee fighting game is coming out, but, you know, that really isn't how I want to experience Persona. I would love to see the full game come out, and it was rumored to be coming to Switch. You know, will it? Who really knows? But I would love to see it happen. Yeah, I think I would too. I mean, that series uh, has a lot of followers, and I think it would be a great addition to the library. Yeah, I mean, now that my palate is wetted with (laughs) Super Smash Brothers, yeah, I would love to see it come to the system. That's for sure. So uh, what else are you uh, hoping or predicting to see at the show? Well, you know, honestly, I kind of want to see Doug Bowser kind of step into his own. Oh, (laughs) interesting, interesting. I wasn't really uh, thinking about anything beyond the games, but that's certainly an interesting take. Do you expect him to kidnap any princesses or anything like that? (laughs) You know, maybe. I feel like maybe they'll make a play on that and put it somewhere in the video they release on June 11th when they unveil the video. Who knows? Hmm. You know, I'm not really expecting him to try to be like Reggie, but uh, who knows? Maybe they will have some fun with it. But as far as games, I don't know. Are we ready to start going off the deep end here? Sure. Go for it. (laughs) Well, I personally think that it's been far too long since we've heard about a brand new F-Zero game. And I think it's finally time. Well, you know, it certainly isn't something I would call a prediction of mine. But it was also on my list of things I would really, really like to see. It's sort of a pie-in-the-sky hope. (laughs) I mean, I would settle for maybe some other kind of racing games. Maybe it's Mario Kart 9. Maybe it is F-Zero, but yeah, I think that is a fantastic idea, and I would certainly love to see that finally come to fruition. Yeah, and Mario Kart 9 is right on my list too, but I feel like maybe that's a little, well, it could be, (laughs) depends who you ask, it could be a safer bet than F-Zero, but since the Switch never really got its own Mario Kart. That's right, that's right. I don't think it's any stretch to expect them to have a brand new original Mario Kart game on the system alongside 8. Yeah, and uh, I would love to see if it was able to, uh, you know, actually be a better version, be prettier somehow. 
Well, I'm not really worried about it from a graphic standpoint, but I'd just love to see, you know, new tracks, some new gameplay elements. I don't really know what they can do to make it better. I mean, maybe throw in a track editor or something like that. But uh, yeah, I think there's always room for more Mario Kart and definitely more F-Zero. But speaking of things that have been going on far too long without an update, I really want to know what the heck Retro Studios is up to. Well, you know, Nintendo did release that video where they kind of apologized for Metroid Prime not being out anytime soon, and now they're, you know, Retro is going to take over the reins. Well, that's true, but I don't think that's the only team they have out there. And they've been so quiet for so long, I've got to think they really have been working on something else in the meantime. And, you know, there has been rumors that there was like a Star Fox racing game, which I don't really put any faith (laughs) in, but I'm pretty sure they've been working on something between their last published project and Metroid Prime 4. And I would love to know what that is, because I think it would be very different from what we've been seeing out of Nintendo Studios, and I would love to finally see it come to light. So I'm still crossing my fingers for that. I mean, I feel like I've been saying that for every E3 (laughs) and every Nintendo Direct for like the past, I don't know, five years or something, but who knows? Maybe this will finally be the one. Yeah, I would like to see Retro Studios do something that uh, we haven't seen from them yet, so fingers crossed. Yeah, right on. Well, this one might not be on anybody's super high list, but me personally, I've been waiting for a long time to see a remaster of Super Mario 64. Huh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, there was a version on um, DS that came out. It was like four player. Right, yes. You know, with the Switch, it feels like it's something that could easily happen. Mario 64 is just one of those games that I still think of very fondly, and I really hope that they consider re-releasing that in like a glorious remaster in high def. Oh yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. I'd love to see them incorporate all those new features they add to the DS version, but, you know, actually make it playable with analog stick, which of (laughs) course was the big failing of that version of the game. Yeah, I think they could do something really, really cool, you know, modernize the camera, modernize the controls, really take it to the next level, but still deliver that same fantastic gameplay of the original. Yeah, I think there is a lot of cool stuff they could do with that. But speaking of you know older franchises that should be making a comeback, I just realized we have very recently passed 10 years since the last Punch-Out! game. Yeah, it's been a decade since Punch-Out! came out on Wii, and that was the last game in that series. It is absolutely time for a brand new game, and it's time for it to show up on Switch. Yeah, I agree with you, and I am almost floored that it's been 10 years as well (laughs) yeah can you believe it and really that version was just a remake of the original more or less yeah it pretty much was and i don't know maybe it wasn't well received or something but i thought they did a pretty bang up job with that game and i'd love to see them just build on it from there introduce new characters bring in some more of the super punch out characters and you know i would not mind at all seeing next level take the reins once again on a brand new punch out game but come on it's been 10 years it's absolutely time for a new one So, you know, let's see it. Yeah, the Switch lends itself well if they want to, you know, implement some motion controls like arms. Yeah, I mean, they have that in the Wii version too. So, you know, try it again. Sure, go for it. Yeah, it totally seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I think there's a lot of cool things they could do with that if they brought it out on Switch. Now, Chris, you mentioned Star Fox earlier. I did. And I really would like to see Star Fox, but I'd almost like to see Ubisoft get full control to actually make a Star Fox game for Switch under Nintendo's blessing. Oh yeah, sure, why not? I mean, they did an excellent job with Starlink, and I think they could only make it better if they weren't, you know, sort of shackled by the constraints of the Starlink universe and just went full out making a from-the-ground-up Star Fox game. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they have the models, they've been using the source material, they like, you know, Mm -hmm. the characters they all did justice to and dialogue and all that. 
I just think that it would make a lot of sense and it kind of frees up Nintendo from having to spend a lot of time on some Star Fox game that, you know, I don't want to say half-baked, but... (laughs) Well, I know what you're saying. And, you know, even though I know Starlink didn't really meet Ubisoft expectations, as far as the handling of the Star Fox brand goes, I think it probably surpassed expectations. So, yeah, why, you know, go back to the drawing board and rebuild it from scratch when they've already got a great foundation there? I think you make a very good point. Also, when it comes to Ubisoft... I just want to say it would be great to see Beyond Good and Evil 2 be announced for coming to Switch. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that game out on other consoles, or is that in development for... Oh, no, it is still in development, but has not been announced for Nintendo System yet. So uh, hopefully that will come to uh, Switch as well. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Then I think if I was departing from the mainstay games, I'd actually like to see an update on the, uh, the Nintendo Online. Oh, you know, when are we going to start seeing uh, Super Nintendo titles showing up? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that has been rumored. That would be cool to see. You know, I don't ever really think of that as being something they would do around E3, but it would always be welcome to see more features added to Nintendo Switch Online. It'd be nice to see an update to the Switch interface and the Switch eShop. All that stuff is long overdue. And again, I don't feel like that's something they necessarily would do to tie into E3. But hey, if it is, that would be excellent. Cool. What else you got? Well, going back to some established IPs, I really wouldn't mind seeing more Xenoblade. No. I mean, maybe it's a little too early for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but I would definitely not mind seeing a port of Xenoblade Chronicles X. I mean, I remember a few years ago where that was a rumor and that was something that a lot of people seemed to want. And at the time I was like, oh no, I do not want this. I want a brand new Xenoblade Chronicles game. And we got that. We got Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and it totally delivered. And now that we've had that, we've had all that great DLC, I'm ready to be like, okay, I want to play more Xenoblade Chronicles. The only way to play X is to dig out my Wii U and, you know, had all those, like, extra patches you were supposed to download that filled up the hard drive space, and that was kind of a mess. So I never really got that far into it. I would love to be able to give that another shot by seeing it brought over to the Switch. And then, on the other side of the spectrum, I think maybe it's time for a brand new Kirby game. Hmm. You know, Nintendo really never goes too long without bringing out new Kirby And I think maybe it is time, maybe not necessarily a Kirby platformer, since it hasn't been too long since we got one of those, but, uh, you know, maybe some other kind of Kirby game. Heck, maybe even that fills the racing niche we were talking about earlier. Maybe it's Kirby's Air Ride 2 or something (laughs) like that. But I do feel like it's about time for us to get more Kirby. Or maybe a sequel to uh, Planet Robobot. I would definitely not object to that. (laughs) Now, I know that there's already a Zelda game out there Mm -hmm. with the Link's Awakening remake. Yep, indeed there is. But I still think that there is potential room, at least to announce, another Zelda game using the Breath of the Wild engine. Yeah, I really think there has to be one of those coming along sooner or later. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the situation with Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, why not take that same engine, the game was great, Obviously, that engine was amazing. Yep, everybody loved it. Why not just kind of redo the format a little? Maybe make some real dungeons instead of all those shrines. Maybe bring bring it back a little bit to the Zelda formula, but keep most of the bells and whistles that everybody loved about Breath of the Wild and just tell a new story. Yeah, I cannot agree with you more. I feel like 
it would be foolish of them to not do that. Like, why would you have all this great groundwork established and this excellent engine just sitting there and not reuse it? So yeah, hopefully they are playing that one way or the other. Will we see it this year at E3? Would that be too much Zelda all at once? I don't know, but I am absolutely with you. I think it is an excellent idea. And like I said, they'd be crazy to not do it. Crazy, I tell you. Yeah. But, you know, as much as I love all of these franchises and all of these known quantities from Nintendo, one thing that I do always appreciate is getting to see new IPs from the company. Mm. And it seems like every year they'll sneak in at least a little bit of something like that. You know, I'm not sure exactly what I want, but I would kind of like to see Nintendo's take on sort of you know the triple A action adventure genre beyond what they've done with The Legend of Zelda. I kind of like to see something contemporary you know, maybe like an Uncharted or maybe something that's a different fantasy spin, sort of like their version of God of War. And who knows, maybe that's the kind of thing that uh, Retro Studios has been working on. Maybe it all kind of ties together. Or maybe they're doing something completely different and crazy and it's a game about, you know, kitty cats that fly or something <laughs> like that. Maybe that's the kind of thing we're going to get from Nintendo. But whatever they're doing with brand new IPs, I'm always looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, it really does. Kitty cats and cookies. That's what I'm predicting right now. <laughs> yeah, you Look know, forward to it. You know, I really was thinking. Cookie cats. That's what it's going to be <laughs> All called. All right. Yeah, you know, I really was thinking something along those same lines. You know, whenever Nintendo kind of steps out and does something new, we all seem to benefit from it. You know, Splatoon came out. That was a pipe dream before uh, that happened. And now look at that. It's taken off. Yep. So I think there is room for Nintendo to create something new. I'm not sure about the AAA action title, but I do like the idea. So um, I support your Nintendo new IP plan. <laughs> All right. And then, I suppose it goes without saying, but naturally, I hope that at this year's E3, they will show some more Amiibo. Amiibo! <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, of course. I mean, we know there are more Smash Bros. Amiibo on the way, but I'm kind of hoping that they will show something beyond that, you know, it seems like the pickings are getting pretty slim. We're not getting a whole lot outside of these Smash Amiibo, but you know, maybe we can get more Mario series Amiibo. Maybe we can get something for Fire Emblem Three Houses if we're really lucky, or maybe something you know totally unexpected. Maybe we'll get something to go with Dragon Quest Eleven, or heck, just you know for the heck of it, put out you know an Urban Champion Amiibo, just something completely off the deep end, <laughs> just to make people say, "What the heck? What are they doing?" It's you know an Urban Champion sprite. And it comes with a download of the game or something like that. I'm, I'm really <laughs> hoping for a Gumshoe Amiibo. Yeah, let's do that too. <laughs> so that's how they'll announce that Gumshoe 2 is coming out for the Switch. <laughs> Make it so, Nintendo. Amazing. Yep. Okay, well, that's pretty much all we've got for our hopes for this year's E3. I mean, some of these are probably highly unlikely. Some of them we know are going to be there for sure. Any way you slice it, though, it is bound to be an incredibly exciting show, once again, for Nintendo fans. Yeah, it's always fun to tune in and really have no idea what they're going to announce. So, <laughs> here we go. Yep, less than two weeks away. Please look forward to it. <laughs> Indeed. And, with that said, I believe it's time for us to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. But, before we do so, we have time for one more thing, and that is a dramatic reading. This time... It is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Chicken Rider. You play as a polar bear who is fighting for an animal freedom. You have to help chickens held in the chicken farm. 
Chicken Rider <laughs> is an endless runner game in which the player takes control of the young polar bear. The little bear is fighting for animal freedom. <laughs> but during the attempt of chicken liberation, not everything is working according to the plan. Our hero accidentally turns on the alarm and he is forced to flee on the only one vehicle left, the chicken. <laughs> during the gameplay, the player will be able to use different crazy power-ups, among which you will find Squirrel Commando or a typical American Redneck. After every run, the player will be able to buy different outfits for the bear and unlock new mounts. <laughs> Features. Super exciting gameplay. Our heroes cannot stop even for a second or they will be caught. More than 70th different outfits. You can escape, but you have to do it in style. The player will be able to change parts of the outfits freely. Wacky power-ups. Squirrel Commando, Tabasco Sauce, or a Harvester. That's ones of the many power-ups <laughs> available in the game. Seven different chickens. In the game, there will be seven different mounts available. Eight diverse levels. During their escape, our heroes will run through Area 51, typical American town, <laughs> and even to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism. Space. Uh, there's a lot to like here. <laughs> um, I suppose so. It's uh, definitely an intentionally goofy game. No doubt about that. Well, it's also got some really, like somebody needed to have a grammar check on this. <laughs> yes, you're not wrong about that. Mm, and it's really subtle, but like, you know, even mounts is in quotes every time it shows up. <laughs> yeah, I know what the deal is with that. And then more than 70th different outfits is fun. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. But I think typical American town is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Who doesn't love typical American towns? One of the <laughs> best, most classic video game environments there is. <laughs> you know what's funny? It really is. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't played this game. I think it's only like four bucks or something. I don't know if it's uh, half as entertaining as that description is. But uh, yes, it is out now and available for download. It actually doesn't look terrible. That's definitely back-of-the-box, praiseworthy quote right there. I'd like to know your thoughts on this game if you review it. Whoa, I just saw that Viagra is a power-up in this game. It literally says Viagra, and it's a blue pill. Hmm, sounds like somebody's getting sued. <laughs> All right, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com and you can follow us at PowerProsPod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff and you can find Pete at BurlyReadyEddy. You can email us at PowerProsPod at gmail.com and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad. Sayonara, Hoffmanokun. And the narrator from Crystal Crisis. A dancing zombie? We will see you next time.